0: Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for downloading. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here with Megan Strand.
1: I got to be first today? You do. Hi!
0: (laughs) And Dane Christensen, second. Peace in. Peace in. (laughs) And we are The Naked Marketers uh, at uh, uh, www.thenakedmarketers.com, and you can choose whether or not to use the uh, www. That's up to you, uh, to your internet uh, comfort That's level. That's the kind of freedom we as Americans enjoy. Right. We, just, we have a good show for you today. It's uh, we have a guest who was scheduled to be on the show in our first like second or third week and had to had to cancel on us and uh he's he's back on the show, Brian Kurth, uh founder of vocationvacations.com. He's a terrific guy, a wonderful entrepreneur and um and has a lot of great things to say about how he built this really unique business uh and uh, and how he gets it, the word out. To the world, so we're very much looking forward to a conversation with Brian a little bit later. Uh, But first, we have uh, we have stuff on the brain. What's first on the brain, Megan?
1: Oh, I don't think I'm first. I think you're first. It's YouTube.
0: That's not a very good handoff, though. If I'm (laughs) handing it back to myself, it's more of a boomerang. Uh, And let me go ahead and go first. Yeah. (laughs) So especially as I was only ready for the handoff, up and to the handoff. Uh, uh, But the, the story is actually an interesting one. YouTube wins the case against Viacom uh, and you know we talked about this this uh, digital millennium millennium copyright act uh, uh, case Viacom was suing YouTube for violating their copyright and, and uh, hosting Vi- uh, Viacom copyrighted material on YouTube and the story we talked about early on was that you know there was evidence presented that in fact Viacom was secretly posting their own content onto YouTube which and, they
2: still think was perfectly acceptable behavior. Right, right. And then they would
0: go and submit these DMCA takedown notices to have YouTube remove the, the, um, uh, the video uh, content from their website. Well, the, the, uh, the court granted a summary judgment for a Viacom's lawsuit with Google.
2: 30-pager, by the way. Yeah,
0: it was a big one. They had a lot of words in order. Uh, to define what this meant. Uh, what it really means is that uh, YouTube is safe. They are uh, uh, they are safe under the safe harbor of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act as long as the, the, the um, I, I think the, the nuts and bolts of it, it all sort of boils down to this. As long as YouTube continues to work with copyright owners when a DMCA takedown notice is presented and they take down the material quickly. That, which they've been shown to do. They have been shown to do. Uh, they uh, are considered safe, and they are considered just a, a neutral third-party host, just like an ISP. They're not liable for the content that is on their service, um, unless they show that they are proactively hosting copyrighted material, and they are they show that they are not. And the the they're investing heavily in technologies that uh, that exists on YouTube to. Algorithmically hunt down copyrighted material, songs that play, video clips that play, that are oh, they uh, they do a, it quick. They do it so fast. Um, they they do it really, really fast. I I think,
2: I think well, wasn't it Pete? I mean, would you say that uh, maybe a year ago you post a video on YouTube with, uh, you know, a, a copyrighted uh, song, and it might have taken a week or more before yeah. YouTube sort of it ran the algorithm and and, and flagged it. And I honestly, man, I, I posted something the other day, and it within, it seems to me, like an hour, I yeah. got the little, uh, the notice I got was, uh, this is a copyrighted song, um, and basically that's why we're going to run ads on your video.
0: Well, that's actually, a, that's great, uh, really. I mean, I, I think, uh, don't you? I mean, having ads on the video, but still being allowed to have the video exactly. on YouTube?
2: Exactly. Well, it's much better than uh, the other videos I've had where all of a sudden they have no sound whatsoever
0: exactly it makes it so you don't have to think about it as a content producer you just get right. it up there and YouTube takes care of the business which is fine exactly. I'm totally okay exactly. with that that what's interesting is I I posted a video uh, for a client on a Google Apps hosted video uh, installation right if you have Google Apps premiere you get your essentially your own little internal YouTube so it's all the it's all the Google video goodness but no one in the world can see it other than employees of the company and i posted this it had actually i didn't even remember it had a clip from the office theme song uh in the video and that video was just axed on upload they said this has a oh, wow. copyrighted really? song in it and so you can't see it you can we're not even because there's uh-huh. no infrastructure to run ads in the google apps uh-huh. video implementation Interesting. So, so you just don't even get it i think as soon hey, as hey, they yeah
2: you know, on a future show, can we get in-depth about Google Apps Premiere? Sure. I'd, I'd really love to, to dig into that one. Future yeah. show. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's
0: great. Uh, so anyway, good news for YouTube. Actually, I think really great news for people in general. Uh, to, to keep, oh, absolutely. Keep Viacom and, out of... Uh...
2: And, and when are they just going to scrap the Digital Millennium Copyright Act altogether? I mean, seriously, isn't the premise that digital is so vastly different from analog? that it requires a whole different set of laws.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't think we're any closer to having that different set of laws. I, we're not.
2: We're not. Copyright it just, is an ugly just thing. just kind of kills me. Yeah.
0: It but does. anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, that is that is what it is. What else do we have to talk about? Dan? you've got something, please.
2: I wanted to talk quickly about something that I'm excited to, uh, to test tonight. Uh, it launched yesterday, uh, and I didn't find out about this until I read the uh, New York Times article from yesterday that... Um, uh, NPR has a new music app, uh, and it essentially uh, it, so it's not a new you know um, <laughs> you know it's not a whole new branch of, of nPR uh, the, nPR has done and the, as the article sort of gets into, NPR has done a fabulous job of being a hub. Uh, for all kinds of music, uh, all kinds of great music. They have excellent sort of, you know, editorial taste uh, that runs through many musical genres. Uh, they're a great source of discovering new music. They're also a great vehicle uh, for new and emerging artists uh, or artists who's maybe been around a while, but have spent 20 years since they released an album, um, whatever. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place, a great vehicle uh, to get their music discovered. So, uh, you know, it just continues to be interesting to me. Uh, and, uh, anyway, I hate to keep bringing this up, but that the music industry, in my opinion is take, takes a really long time, um, to sort of work their way evolving through this digital landscape. Right. But NPR has been a, a, an excellent place, um, you know, for people to, to share music or you, you can get downloads. They, they, they have all kinds of, and you guys have, you know, probably had lots of experience with, uh. Um, is it all, all Music Considered, I think? Something like that? Right, All uh, Songs Considered. All Songs Considered, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, my brain's not awesome today. Uh, and um, uh, Tiny Desk Concert Series. Mm-hmm. Did I get that one right? Um, but anyway, so great place to find music and now a new app uh, that uh, right off the bat, lots of downloads and and, and just uh, a more and more opportunity every year really for NPR to continue to be an important uh, vehicle for music.
0: Well, and, you know, I think it's an interesting commentary that NPR is, you know, as digital as everything has gone. And, you know, there was a there, there was a while there where everybody was saying, you know, national public radio is, is going to struggle in the digital as the NPR kind of national station is competing more and more with affiliates. And and I know there's a struggle there, and I know there's a struggle in, in public radio and in public television in general. But you look at... The direction that NPR is going, it's really so progressive uh, and, uh, and has become, I think, even more of a staple, certainly in, in where I get my news and as popular as the NPR apps are, uh, you know, I have to believe I'm not alone. Uh, the NPR news app on the iPad is one of the best news apps I've, I've downloaded. I use it every single day. It's really fantastic. Uh, more than I use, certainly, the, the web of the radio. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's mm-hmm. just
1: interesting and uh, to see how a traditional media outlet is sort of reinventing themselves. So well,
0: a kind of... traditional and and yet kind of non traditional. I mean, NPR has been sort of on the leading edge, bleeding edge, and lagging edge of <laughs> in so many different areas across the spectrum of communication. So I think it's well, quite they... great to see what they're doing. They they posted on their uh, the app. They've got a ton of Bonnaroo stuff, which I haven't even checked out yet. With but uh um, looks yeah. great. right, right. NPR, by the way,
2: I mean, I, I, I think NPR was uh, one of the first, uh, I guess, major news outlets to really successfully embrace uh, podcasting.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, you can uh, get just about every one of their shows as a podcast and have been it, from early on.
2: Now, as you mentioned, Pete, they're fantastic at uh, streaming. You know, you, you don't quite have to go the podcast route no. if you want to go straight to All Things Considered or whatever. Uh, the NPR app... Uh, just makes it a great tool for for live streams or uh, day of streams uh, without quite needing to do a full podcast transition so and they also
0: do a great job of handing that back to your local station I mean if you're listening to the story you can you can listen to it on your station and that's that's a great connection to the community so
1: anyway absolutely very cool that's a good one Dane. good one thanks guys i've got a good one too can i talk about my good one talk about yours so harvard business review this week came out with an article it's called in marketing south beats north and it's it's essentially based on some recent research uh, by a couple of guys one out of uc berkeley one out of yale school of management and they did a paper and showed that all of us subconsciously link cardinal direction with vertical position so North um, is equates to uphill, and south equates to downhill. Um, and so, we what we do subconsciously when we think of north and south and directions is that we think um, north is harder because it means going uphill, and south is easier because it means going downhill. So, the the article was talking about implications for marketing, and when you're talking about you know maybe your location being north of somewhere, well, you don't really want to say that because it implies, oh, it's harder to get to. You want to say it's south of somewhere because it's, you know, easier. So it's just a really fascinating article. I highly recommend it. We'll put it on the show notes. Um, And, you know, of course, in true HBR style, it gets much more complicated than that. But um, it, it does have some pretty interesting implications as far as um choosing your your word choice when it comes to to direction, so it's
0: kind of cool it's really fascinating. The picture they have on the article on the website is is just it, North America yeah. upside down, and it totally bugs me because it like turns <laughs> all of your assumptions like on yeah here. You're like, uh, well, it, yeah, and, you know I don't want to spring break necessarily you know up in <laughs> up in the Gulf of Mexico i'd rather spring break in you know Seattle or Calgary.
1: Well, you know that's sort of that is interesting though, because you you think of like oh, I want to go south like, with living. Yeah, but, the that, uh, yeah, no, but, but it's that's yeah, but that's suddenly the, not
0: right. Yeah, you know, why would I want to go to Calgary at all? No, <laughs> I love Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> I love.
1: Calgary. Well, and that's that's <laughs> sort <laughs> of what <laughs> the article then you there.
0: get, There's then a Giant mall there,
1: people get a little confused when you yeah. start flipping images that are traditionally seen as yeah. totally north-oriented. I'm so, easy yeah. to confuse.
2: Well, and I like the whole you know power sort of angle. How 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 are how we you know as advanced as we think we are as a civilization we kind kind of can't get away from things like um you know top is is more powerful or south is an easier direction to go i mean it's right. not logical right there's nothing logical about that but right. we can't quite get rid of that sort of what do they call that uh in architecture um uh this
0: is going to be good this is going to be good go ahead what oh, is it what well, is it Dane?
2: it is called archetype is that right archetype is that right Architec? architecture but
1: not in architecture <laughs> hold on guy okay so i'm not an
0: architect
1: to i'm gonna do a little bit of research
2: talk amongst yourselves i know there's a word there that has a use in this uh,
1: context i, I really say. i and look, there goes dane for the rest of the show i look <laughs> forward on, to that
0: <laughs> hey dane what's the opposite of architecture
1: oh oh no. yeah
0: that was it i did it all right can, we, can i talk now <laughs> yes uh, I, I want to talk about uh, today as a national holiday. Today is, uh, you know, it's officially June 24th, 2010. And, and if you didn't know, uh, Apple has released the, uh, their new uh, iPhone. Uh, and on the same day, that's actually not the story, ironically enough. The story is Microsoft opened a new store right next to one of Apple's stores today. Which I think is hysterically funny in uh, uh, in the fashionable Fashion Valley Mall in San Diego. And Microsoft has a history of doing this, picking the biggest Apple holiday that they can find, they they can find (sighs) and and uh, and doing their best to to uh, suck some of the energy out of it and uh, and open the iPhone store (laughs) or open their Microsoft store. But it's like Lowe's and
1: Home Depot. It
0: is. It's hysterical. Um, What's Really funny. I, there are a couple of things that are funny. The image, first of all, shows the banner of the Microsoft Store about to be open, with lines of people outside who are, I think, actually waiting for their iPhone uh, right next door. But uh, what's what's more interesting to me is, you know, how, why why do they do this? They've done it before, and and why do they keep doing this? From a marketing perspective, somebody give me the justification for wanting to get in on somebody else's. Uh, um, somebody else's day and, and try to find oxygen in this vacuum I mean here we are talking about it but I think it's a little bit of a, of a you know isolated you know maybe we are looking at it from a different perspective why would you possibly want to jump in on this kind of a media uh, media
1: circus because you want to make sure that you're still being talked about and noticed are you being talked about
0: and noticed at all we're, we're when talking we,
1: about it but we're a marketing
0: <laughs> show we're supposed to t- we're telling that we're saying it's a foolish thing it's stupid
2: well,
1: it's i don't annoying. even know what you're
0: talking
2: about because i'm too busy proving I myself right s- over here okay <laughs> but keep going
0: uh-huh <laughs> come on you I, know what i mean i don't, don't have an
1: explanation for you i just think it's jerky and, you, and know you know who's what? gonna
0: you know who's gonna be there not an iphone but professional skateboarder rob Deerdick.
1: <laughs> okay, well that's why you care, you know, because you've got this other weird market that's gonna show up. I mean, what's that? You know that? they're
0: raffling they're holding a raffle. You know what they're they raffling. Play Bingo off? Too? Do you know what they're
1: raffling off?
0: A Microsoft Zune. But the Zune isn't good enough, so they're raffling off a flip camera.
1: You're kidding. I'm
0: not. I'm not I mean, come on. You know, Pete, the people That's who, awesomely hilarious. The people
2: <laughs> who are who are gonna <laughs> jump on this bandwagon that as you're suggesting are the people who think that all exposure is good exposure. Right,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and uh, I don't know if anybody caught the uh, Jerry Seinfeld comments about Lady Gaga the other day. Anybody?
0: No, I don't no, know. Oh, was she uh, about her getting kicked out of all of the? Um... Well, she was in his box,
2: I guess, at the Mets game or whatever. I don't know. He's he's like he called her a jerk. He said she's a jerk, and and uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, he said I'm not one of those people that think you know all, all exposure is good exposure. Bad exposure gets you killed. <laughs> If You can get cancer from bad exposure. Oh God, that's awful.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I, a correction: I am looking at the gallery, and it looks like they're actually giving away a bunch of Microsoft shirts. And the people in line—there are people in line for the Microsoft store grand opening. I find that fascinating. Wow.
1: Are they eighteen?
0: Well, they're yeah, <laughs> actually, they're wearing. That's, I've got some fuzzy. They've got a different market. Fuzzy slippers. Ho- lots of hoodies. Seriously? Oh, there are a lot of hoodies. Is is Zuck there? No, Zuck <laughs> is not there. Although I think he uses a Mac. Uh, Do you think no, there are
2: people? Uh, I, I bet there's somebody in in line who has a tattoo of the Windows logo on their arm. Yeah, there has probably, to be. You're
0: probably right. There's a tattoo for everything. Anyway, I I just think it's silly to why not try to establish your own your own hot national holiday? Uh, because you just I, I just don't think there's as big, particularly when we're at E3. You know, we talked about E3 last week. But we didn't talk about the Microsoft Connect extravaganza that Cirque du Soleil did, uh, which was huge, huge. I don't know if you guys have seen any clips of this thing. No, you, not at all. You haven't? Well, there are not very many because it was, you know, uh, Cirque du Soleil, apparently they designed this show. They did it live for the Microsoft launch. It was like the opening ceremonies. It was like that scale, Olympic opening ceremonies big um, of a production of Cirque du Soleil to illustrate how the new Kinect um, motion interface for the Xbox worked. And they were throwing people upside down. They had ponchos with light-up shoulder pads that they had everybody wearing uh, that would light up at certain times during the, during the show to, for audience to use the audience as part of this giant art piece. Um, it was a, it's a fascinating thing that they did. And it was really, I mean, huge. It was a huge production. And they got to own all of it. They got to own all of it, which I think is such a, a much better model than just trying this retail one-upmanship that I think is just silly. Microsoft has a big enough brand name that they can, they can afford to, to own their own day.
2: I really want to uh, spend Microsoft's ad budget one year.
0: <laughs> That'd be fun, right?
2: and you know what i I feel like it's okay that they have such a huge ad budget and spend it on things like circuses uh i know circus sleigh is not a circus but i like to call it that um because bill gates gives away so much money to charity so i figure that's all right
0: <laughs> well so I'm, yeah I'll, I'll give him a pass yeah all right well okay so anyway enough of that uh what else do we have I uh,
2: architectural talk about- archetypes no uh, not really you guys think i'm crazy i'm not crazy
0: okay go Go ahead ahead, Dane. go ahead okay i'll give you an architectural archetype uh victorian phallic oh building like skylines or skyscrapers
2: yeah like in any city in america generally the the most powerful uh economic force has the tallest building that's an architectural archetype Thank you, Dane. In Salt Lake City, the LDS Church has the largest building. Oh, there's a shocker. And
0: you know what they say about big churches. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: there you go.
1: Oh, okay, under the we next need story, to talk about outside. something else. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: no know, Megan, I know I, I, I posted the ElectroLock oh. story, but I think you should talk about it.
1: Oh, you know. You're the uh, resident greenie. I You know, I don't really consider myself the resident greenie. But, That's funny, because um, the rest I, of us do. That's well, you know, it's because you uh stereotype and generalize. I archetype, you archetype. That's right, I'm
0: archetyping you. Go ahead.
1: So, apparently, um, Electrolux, and this is Peter's story that uh it was on Wired, um, but the title is Electrolux Shows BP How Green Marketing Is Done. So, um you know, of course, playing off of the oil spill. But apparently Electrolux is going to be using discarded plastic in the oceans uh, to turn them into vacuum cleaners. So um, that's at least what I'm getting from it. Um, and he's talking about there being a shortage of recycled plastic, uh, which I happen to know is true. And there is all this plastic floating in the ocean. So, um, they're going to be working with experts and volunteers to dive, fish, and scavenge, scavenge several concentrated plastic hotspots in the world's oceans. Which, if you've seen pictures of this, is just yeah, it's
0: not depressing. like finding a finding a bottle in the you know finding a bottle in a pool. I mean, really no, you could go to certain bays that are just you know uh, uh, chronically you know saturated with plastic debris.
1: Well, it, well, yeah. I mean, like literally huge fields of plastic yeah. where this plastic converge. I mean, it's really enough to make you sick and not want to ever use plastic ever again. But it's interesting though that Electrolux is coming out with this because I, when I was at the Cos Marketing Forum a couple of weeks ago, Pepsi was there and they talked about there being this shortage of recycled plastic. Like they recycle as much as they can, but there is a shortage of recycled plastic. So. Um, so that's an interesting concept to be, you know. I, th- I think it's pretty innovative, um, but I, it's it's just an interesting one. That, well, uh, and the, it, you know, sure. vacuum
0: cleaners. It leads to the to the obvious uh, comparison to BP. Uh, that you know, Elliot von Buskirk, who wrote this article uh, for Wired, uh, closes it. Ele- Electrolux and BP. One sucks. The other blows.
1: <laughs> nice. Uh,
0: now I'm not making a judgment call. Oh, that's yes. awesome! Yeah, you know, it's a good closer. Uh, that's what I got. What do we ha- do? We have anything else to talk about on the news?
2: Um, can I mention one thing? That's maybe more of a tool, but uh, we won't do it as a tool. Go ahead. Has Has anybody had any experience with the the uh, new uh, web gaming service on Live?
0: You know, I have not tried playing it. I've heard a lot about it. Have you played it at all?
2: No, I'm kind of dying to, but a little worried about how much time i might lose here in my uh my little office uh doing this but there was a great write-up in slate magazine the other day uh slate online about uh how this actually works and how nobody thought it would work and everyone thought the latency issues would just be terrible and there was just no way we'd have the bandwidth and uh, apparently this guy has pulled off quite a feat
0: uh and what is is the service first of all tell people what the service is yeah so
2: on live yeah and i don't i should have the slate article pulled up i've got the uh the website with the service pulled up but it's essentially online gaming and what they've done is built this sort of complicated array of servers that uh, that that handle the processing power for some pretty advanced games like uh... i don't know um mass effect uh... and uh... the latest uh, splinter cell mm-hmm. um... and uh... you have to have i think a five megabit minimum to to have it work uh... but And everybody doubted that this would work, but it's like five bucks a month. They've got an offer for AT&T for a year or through AT&T for a year that it would be free. So uh, not a ton of money. Uh, And and I would, I guess, encourage people to go to Slate. It's still one of their sort of top featured stories, but um, uh, it does a great write-up about, uh, you know, all the doubts going in and and how uh, this thing not only seems to be uh, working uh, kind of better than expected, um, uh, but uh, there might be some real upside to the To the you know now that uh I guess the streaming seems to work okay, and if you 've got the right um like it doesn't work on wireless, but you know if you've got a good connection at home, you can kind of play it on anything um uh, an old Mac you know um, uh, your windows machine that uh, you know is four years old um you you don't have to have great processing power, just probably want a good screen and, and a good internet connection uh and you have access to these games and and hes kind of makes the point which I think is interesting that you know sure um. Uh, platform consoles were built uh, to be optimized for games and, and are probably the best um, hardware you can purchase, you know, for really advanced games, but it's rarely really used. This sort of spreads all that, you know, muscle power out there and and may even over time allow them to have games that are maybe more advanced than what you could put on a console because they're going to have their own servers. And, and there's, you, you have to read the article to sort of get into how they've sort of split the the computing array, you know, uh, to, to um uh combat i guess the latency issue that was sort of their biggest challenge launching it i think it's like an 80th of a millisecond uh is uh where the uh, like the human brain says hey this is no good latency uh and they they beat that so anyway wow. looks looks pretty fascinating
0: well i think it's fascinating and i probably won't try it because of the time suck that i know it would be right, if i had right, it right, right here while i was trying to work that would be a dangerous thing exactly anyway uh awesome service awesome launch be interesting to see how that plays out Indeed, uh, shall we uh shall we uh, move on
1: bring the smarts let's bring the smarts
0: i'm so thrilled to have uh our, our guest on the show this week uh brian kirth brian uh is the uh I, I think it's fair to say right founder and ceo of vocation vacations how do you how do you define yourself there brian
3: yeah all of above. that's fine <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, so we have the founder and CEO, uh, the uh, illustrious and super talented Brian Kurth uh, on the show. Now, vac- Vocation Vacations, for those who don't know, is a, is a, it, it's a fantastic and really, I think, unique service that helps you, uh, as, a, a, as a grown-up, figure out what you want to do when you grow up.
3: Well, it is that it, it's it's really our client base is a wide range of, of folks in terms of age, in terms of experience, as well as what they want to get out of the location, vacation, career mentorship, which lasts between one to three days. Um, so it's it's a test drive. In fact, that's what we call it. It's test drive your dream job. It's not the holy grail. You're not going to walk away suddenly being an expert TV producer, voiceover artist, or winemaker. But you're going to be able to determine. Is this something I want to pursue further? Do I want to go back to school? Do I want to write a business plan? And that's what it's really about because our clients are, you know, they're, they're not just uh, off the turnip truck. You know, they've got some work experience under their belt. And, and literally within a couple of days, uh, it offers them that directional, and they're able to take that information and decide what is my next step. So, yeah, our clients are uh, a wide range of folks. Young is 18, and our oldest person to date has been 80, who uh, was looking at investing into a bed and breakfast with her daughter. And uh, she was looking at long-term investment, even at 80. And, but most of our, uh, our vocationers, as we call our clients, are in their 30s, 40s, 50s on the most part. So the Gen X and baby boomers.
2: And 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 they pay you. Is that Brian? How it works, Brian? If if you want to be a vocationer, uh, you you fork over some money, and and then you guys uh, find the right sort of fit, I guess.
3: Well, it's not that we go out and find the fit; we offer the fit. Uh, okay. We, uh, we have a portfolio of nearly 500 mentorship experiences across the United States and 30 states. So when you go to VocationVacations.com, you'll see the full list under the Career Mentorship section. And, um, and so you can click by category, you can go under the dream job search finder, and you can click by state or what have you and, and find what you're looking for. But yes, we do charge. You know, it, it is not a free service, that's for sure. And, and it's not for everybody. It's not the cheapest route out there. There are other ways that you can do it of creating your own career mentorship experience. And, and that's what my book, Test Drive Your Dream Job, is all about. It's really a do-it-yourself path. But for the folks who are really busy, for the folks who find it very difficult to find a career mentor, which it can be difficult, that's where we provide that service. So a lot of what we offer are in the the, uh, categories such as culinary and sports and entertainment and fashion and things like that. We don't really focus on the corporate sector per se because for the most part, most of our clients are in corporate and looking to get out or they're working for the government and looking to get out. So... Um, you know if you're looking to get that you know marketing director job for instance um we actually don't offer something like that um we don't get many requests for that type of thing uh, that makes that, a
2: lot of- and that makes sense because i was going to ask you know how often uh or, or i guess how easy is it for people who um who utilize your service uh y- you know like I look at the past jobs that I've had and, and some have been good jobs, but really horrible companies, you know, or a great company, but not such a great job. But but if we're not talking about really sort of getting people into corporate positions, you're really looking at uh, people getting engaged in, in, you know, careers where that's probably not so much the case, right? I mean, they're really able to get a hands-on feel for a, an industry or, or, uh, something really unique, a, a, a craft, a, a, sort of a craft, I guess, in, in some cases, right?
3: In some cases, it is a craft or a talent that is being honed. Um, but it's not always the case. And, um, you know, it, it simply can be a passion. And we encourage our vocationers to come to us regardless of whether or not they have any experience. You can most definitely come to us as a complete novice. You simply need to have passion and curiosity and willingness to learn. That is all all you need to bring to the table. And and sign the liability release. (laughs) (laughs) Important detail, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh,
0: This is, uh, you know, Dane, I I know you have been uh, really looking to make your next move into alpaca ranching. Well, you could actually of. do that in I, Mexico. Th- this list in Mexico, of this list in, is you changed
3: your mind from from you called me the other day and i thought it was sword maker <laughs> it was it was and
2: that's the problem you know it's every other day it's something i don't something know new.
0: it's it's so i mean it's it's hard not to look at this and you know my first reaction is this is hysterical like you know the the list of things i it's hard not to look at it and think okay i i I could do that. I could become a cheesemonger. I don't even know what that is, but you no, could be a cheesemonger. I, 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 I want to do you it. You kind of are a cheesemonger, Peter. <laughs> but but and, and so once I get over the funniness and I realize, oh my gosh, I could. I, there are people who do this. I could be one of those. I, I I come back to how how did you stumble into this, Brian? Where how did you realize you wanted to help people become cheesemongers?
3: Well, I really wanted to be my own client. And it goes back 10 years ago in Chicago. I was working the corporate climb and, uh, and commuting two to three hours every day and burning out and making great money and not hating my work but not having passion for it either. And I was just ready for change, and I was thinking about, well, what would I really like to do? And there were three things that I wanted to try, being a dog uh, daycare owner, trainer, um, being a tour guide, and working in the wine industry and sales and marketing. I figured, well, there's got to be some company out there that provides, you know, an adult like myself. I was 30-something at the time. And uh, the ability to test drive it. And there wasn't. Uh, There are tons of internship programs for the 20-year-old, but not something that I was looking for. So I had it in my head and came up with a name and then still did nothing with it for years. I went into the dot-com world and Went off to make my millions, and of course got my pink slip instead, like so many others post 9/11. And you know, so the millions did not occur. And and um, so to make a long story as short as possible, I traveled across America for six months and talked to people. And I would, I would ask you know, so I'd meet Pete in the Grand Canyon on a hike, and and ask you know, I would ask him, so all right, he's a marketing person today, but really deep down. He'd always wanted to, to, you know, be a brewmaster. And uh, so I kept a log, kept a journal, and uh, moved to Portland, Oregon, fell in love with it, moved, Mm -hmm. and uh, went into the wine industry myself for a year. And while working in the wine industry, I started building out Vocation Vacations. And I had to throw myself at the first set of ten mentors all in Oregon in order to start the business because I couldn't just create a website without mentors. I needed mentors. Without a website, however, how could I convey the message to these prospective mentors? Well, I was very lucky and talked to amazing people, and uh, all ten are still on board today. I'm thrilled Wow! Uh,
0: who was your uh, Who was your first uh, mentor?
3: Amity Vineyards, Myron Redford, in, in McMinnville, well, Amity, uh, uh, Oregon, sure. down yeah. in the Pinot Noir Valley, and uh, just great guy. Um, totally got it and said, sign me up. And, um, you know, he now jokes whenever I'm down there, so Brian, you sure have changed in terms of just mentality and appearance. You know, I showed up with my, with my, uh, you know, polo shirt and my khakis, and, you know, I'm, you know, at, at this vineyard and looking, you know, business casual and, and, uh, you know, trying to impress this prospective mentor and, now I just show up, and you know I'm in charts and my tennis shoes or whatever mm-hmm. and and uh and it's just been a wonderful ride and that was uh well that with him signing on board that was more like six and a half years ago, but launched the business six years ago and um it's been a wild wonderful ride ever since
0: well that's it's amazing a, that's uh, it is it's a it's a such a fascinating and and unique business that you built, and I think you know one of one of the uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about is just how it has developed. Uh, you know, you say that the the business has developed in a very organic way. What does that mean?
3: Well, that means that it was completely bootstrapped. Um, I funded it myself, and so with that, um, you know, I... I just as a reminder, again, I, I got the pink slip from that dot-com experience, not millions of dollars. So I did not have a great amount of money to invest into this idea. So it completely has been a bootstrapped startup. You know, It's the longest startup probably one could ever imagine. And it has all grown organically through just online, uh, people finding it online, as well as word of mouth, and, uh, and working the media. Um, the media and the press were definitely in, in my court and, and were huge fans right off from the get-go, and that really helped. So it took us from being, when I say us, it's kind of the royal us because it was just me at the time. <laughs> um, and it's still, we're still a small company, by the way. I'm, I'm still the only full-time employee. My other folks are all contractor, part-time based, work from their own homes, that kind of thing. So people think we're much larger than we are. We're not huge. And we like to keep it that way. We get a lot done. And um, so it grew, uh, you know, launched in January 2004 with a little soft launch and got word out to 20, 25 different newspapers on the West Coast and crickets chirped and didn't hear from anybody. And then March suddenly, out of nowhere, there's a little blurb. Someone from that press release got it to Outside Magazine. Outside Magazine did a little blurb. In March, by May, we were picked up by the AP, and we were suddenly in, you know, 200 newspapers across the globe. And at that point, then, I didn't even... I couldn't fulfill. I didn't have, uh, you know, enough mentors to fulfill the the demand, and they were all in Oregon, and not everyone wanted to come to Oregon. And uh, so that's where I had to dedicate myself to it. And I quit my job in the wine industry and dedicated full-time then, um, starting... uh, spring of, of 2004
1: so when you talk about media and and pr being sort of a cornerstone of of your strategy or what has propelled you to the success that you've had um can you talk a little bit more about you know how you presented that idea to the media i can see why they would pick up on it i mean just just the sheer visuals of some of these great experiences you're providing are you know would make any producer drool but i mean how did you approach it Um, Can you talk a little bit about tactics and strategy as far as media? Yeah,
3: it really was. Well, first of all, it was an education process. We had to educate the media early on, Um, and I would not recommend you know media as your engine forever when it comes to marketing. But it was it was great for us to launch. Absolutely, we were unique. We were different. We were the only ones doing it, and uh, and still are. And the uh, so the approach was education. The first take from the media was, "Oh, this is Fantasy Island, and you're Mr. Roar." Like, no, <laughs> no, that's not it. You don't get it. This is career mentorship. This is <laughs> yes, it does have vacation in the name, and that that's meaning that you can you have this career mentorship on an otherwise traditional vacation that you're taking from your stuck in the rut corner office or cubicle job, and. Um, and so I will say, would I name it Vocation Vacations today? Probably not, quite honestly. But I've built out a brand around it and all that because it took a long time to educate people that this isn't some quirky thing. This is this is brass tacks, folks. You know, this, <laughs> this is the real deal. This that's an interesting that's, an interesting that's an interesting conundrum, question.
0: though, <laughs> uh, because uh, you know, if you hadn't named it Vocation Vacations, do you think people like the Today Show would have uh, picked you up at all?
3: That's a good point. That's a great point. I, it, it, I don't know, um, and you're right. You know, careerment, you know, careermentorship.com. Yeah, not as sexy, is it? <laughs> no, I'm,
0: I'm not sure. I mean, you're you're, no, I, a, you're I, a charming guy, a but vocation vacations gets you in the door. It's <laughs> yeah, catchy. I, I like it. I agree.
2: <laughs> it was a stroke of genius.
3: Right. So, but beyond that, it has been uh, targeting the consumer. We've partnered. We've done a great job of partnering with some large companies to get exposure. We've partnered with Ameriprise, Hilton Hotels, Monster, American Express, and that has. um, And that's where when I say that there's really not been uh, much marketing per se. I mean that's the extent of what we've done. I mean you you don't we don't have an ad camp. We don't have budgets for for an ad campaign or anything like that. So instead we go direct to companies, organizations, we I also work directly uh, with alumni associations, university alumni associations. So we're really targeting going right to the people who um, are going to have most interest in what we have to offer.
2: So you have a, a marketing uh, director? Is that primarily what she does is, is really you know just trying to set up those relationships and, and, and build right. it through a networking, She's, I guess
3: yeah and and when I say you know, marketing director again I mean all my folks are very part time um you know and, and it's summer and so there's not as much happening and and she has kids and and so it is um you know we're we're kind of a a unique little company where we're able to get a lot done and we do it in a, a very smart manner so yeah. um you know I don't want to send out the false impression that, you know, we have some fancy offices and there's the marketing director in the corner office with the views of Mount Hood. That's not what it is. In fact, fact, Jen is out in in New York. We're virtual. Uh, Jen's in New York. Uh, Lisa is in Texas. In fact, Lisa is, as we speak, in an RV exploring national parks for a couple months and literally running things virtually. Um, And then the rest of us are here in Portland.
2: Interesting. What, what are, are some of the, um, common attributes, if any, Brian, that you see, uh, with the people who, who come to you or, or do you think, uh, it's really just the, um, (laughs) I mean, is there something, is there sort of like a, a, you know, a personality profile that says, yes, this is a very restless person.
3: There is actually, there are two types of people on the most part. There is the person who's stuck in a rut and who is burned out and, um, but has. Um, you know, the fire in the belly. They, they they have not lost hope. They have hope. They have curiosity. They want to learn. They are positive thinking. Um, that's a, a bulk of our business. But the other type of person is someone who's just doing it for fun. We actually get a lot of folks, especially this time of year, where they're taking a vocational vacation as a gift, and it was gifted to them by hmm. a loved one. And it's just for fun. We also have oh, some intervention gifts where <laughs> you know, people gifts. are saying, <laughs> you know, I'm so tired of my sister complaining about her job that we all teamed <laughs> up together for a birthday. <laughs> that is <laughs> such a that's great That's awesome. Gift.
2: Oh, I love that idea.
3: So, yeah. So we have intervention gift giving, which we love. But, but a lot of the gift giving is, you know, Father's Day and, and, huh. and birthdays and anniversaries. And it's... Those gifts are generally areas like winemaker, brewmaster, sports announcer, um, voiceover artist, fashion, some some things that people may not necessarily ever plan to go into that career. But it's the path not taken for a couple of days, and people really enjoy it. So, again, going back to the common denominator, it's people who want to learn, they're engaging, and they're curious. Uh, Curious is the adjective that I use most. Did you ever
0: see that uh, when you were starting the, uh, starting the organization? Did you ever envision that people would actually be gifting your service? You know, that's a great question. So no, cool. I did
3: not. It was never part of my huge one-and-a-half-page business plan. Um, <laughs> and and um, never imagined. But, but guess what? The very first vocation vacation ever sold was a gift from a woman to her husband, um, and it was a brewmaster package.
1: Oh that's
0: cool uh, uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh about you know how, where you're getting the word out. We talked about them you know using the media how did you uh you know when the the phone starts to ring and you get people like uh you get organizations like the New York Times and ABC news and The wall Street journal and fox and uh, you know the the litany of of uh, major media outlets that have wanted to talk to you um uh, did you have uh, any practical media experience prior to this sort of <laughs> was, flood of uh, of media inquiries, and how did you get yourself none ready?
3: Whatsoever. You ready yeah none whatsoever and i' and I've actually never done any media training. I'm not opposed to doing some but I've never done any um, but i have i I've, I've had uh, my first press media person on board was my old boss from Ameritech in Chicago who uh, as just as I was launching vocation vacation, she was starting her uh, public relations firm in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. And it worked. And so she and I teamed up and, and so she had the front end savvy. And then all I had to do was, you know, talk on the radio show or be interviewed on TV or, you know, do a phone interview for, you know, a print uh, article or what have you. And it really worked. And, um, and as she increased her savviness as, you know, so did I. And, um, so it really, now, have there been tips along the way from people? Absolutely. And have I reached out and asked people, what do you think? How should I handle this? Absolutely. But I've never done a, a, a formalized media training uh, in any way. And now Diane Haynes, who handles our press and media, um, is she's here in Portland, and she's the former vice president of PR for uh, U.S. Bank. Um, and I pulled her out of retirement um, to come on board and as is my old uh, boss's business was growing down in Fort Worth. Um, she couldn't dedicate as much time to vocation vacations, and so we transitioned it three years ago now from Kelly to Diane, and Diane's just been wonderful. And so, um, and we do, quite honestly, and I don't mean this to be conceded in any way, we we don't do a lot of proactive media at this point, at this juncture, because, you know, we've kind of tapped it. We've, we've kind of built it. Mm-hmm. But the reactive, uh, Diane handles. You know, whenever someone in the press and media comes to us, and instead we're really focusing more on the partnerships that I talked about—the the corporate partnerships, and the um, and university alumni associations and things like that—and and really with me doing a lot of speaking across the country, so. And the advantage there is we now own the process, whereas, as you know, in the media, it's great. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. But you don't own the schedule. You don't know if and when it's really going to run. Whereas if I'm giving a speech, you know, I know that I'm going to be giving a speech. If we're partnering with Monster, we know that we're going to be partnering with Monster, and the launch date is, you know, August 1st or whatever.
0: That seems to be, given the the folks who come on, you know, our show certainly, uh... The nature of things to come—it's this uh, this idea of um, of engagement marketing, of really owning uh, your own story—and uh, and and it it sounds like that's that's the direction that Vocation Vacation certainly has always uh, been taking of, of of really telling your story. How do you use uh, your own, for lack of a better word, this seems so corporate, but your own assets in in telling your story, your own vocationers? Do you have? Uh, you know, are we? Uh, do Do you see a lot of folks who actually go out and and become cheesemongers and winemakers? And and uh, oh yeah, and, uh, how do you Absolutely how do you because, do, you do those?
3: I'm really excited that. Uh, well, two part answer to your question there. First of all, um, I do. I still to this day tell people, you know, my personal story when when and if appropriate. You know, in terms of just letting them know that hey, I've been there. I know what you're feeling. I've now done the corporate thing, and it's not corporate bashing. My gosh, we constantly work with people, you know, corporates, um, you know, with our partnerships. So it's not that at all. It's just that it's really helping people plan for their future. It could be the future, especially in the last two years, could be tomorrow because of the layoffs. You know, I'm employed today, but that could change tomorrow. Um, in a good economy, as we had, you know, three, four years ago, people were thinking, you know, I'm, not looking at, I, I'm okay. I'm just thinking more five, even ten years out. That's fantastic. And so, yeah, I definitely incorporate my own personal transition and reinvention. Um, and, and it becomes part of the whole uh, you know, persona of the company, basically. And, um, but in terms of the, the other career transition stories of our clients, I mean, it's phenomenal. And we actually don't have the number right now as of how many, but it's for sure hundreds, if not thousands. And of people who have made a a major career transition or are in process of doing it, they're writing their business plan, they're back in school, they've quit their job, what have you, or they've launched their new business, or they're now working in their dream career, completely separate career from what they were doing when they took their vocation vacation. And a lot of those uh, career transition stories, we're loading them up out on our website, and, um, and it's just exciting, as all you can imagine, to load these up and see these transition stories you know, with the person's photo. And where i was heading with this is in order to really better understand what have we accomplished in really the last four years, because the first couple years was a lot about education, and you know, the vocationers came on board, but really the last four years have been the big push. And we're doing a study with uh, the top... Uh, industrial and organizational psychology departments at Michigan State and University of South Florida. I've asked them to collaborate. They said yes, and, um, and so they're tapping into our database of thousands of vocation or alumni to find out what motivated them to take the vocation vacation. What fears did they face? What obstacles? Where are they now? Kind of like the VH1 show. Mm-hmm. Where are they now? And, um, and to really then quantify and qualify um our vocational alumni uh database and so that we'll have more on that later this year and i'm so excited about that
1: that sounds like another book in the making
3: well it might be that's That's, fascinating i don't know yet but uh it it's definitely uh you know to, to put some numbers to all of this uh is really important and we'll never hit you know 80, 90, 100%, I'll be very happy at 50%. You know, when you think about it, if 50% of the people make a major change in their life after having a two-day experience, I mean, that's huge. That's that's yeah. really
0: significant, sure. You know, you talk about um, you and, and your staff of volunteers are really the boots-on-the-ground communications people for, for the company. How does that scale? I mean, when you think about Vocation Vacations as a company in five years what does that look like What does your communication process look like with with the public is it mm-hmm. more of the same are you still able to do it
3: well first of all the the they're not volunteers no, no one is a volunteer no I you know uh, I shouldn't
0: say that part-time that's uh, what I meant
3: to say yeah part-time yeah. they are they are paid yeah. <laughs> as our our career coaches that are affiliated with us as our all of our mentors are paid um, so everyone gets paid and hence that's what drives you know our pricing obviously so you know, we do get that critique from time to time. You know, we're not a non not for profit. There are some folks in this world who would like us to be a non profit, but that's not who we are. Um, so, um, where we're heading, there are really three, sort of four areas to the business. First of all, uh, the parent company is is Brian Kurth and Company, and so Vocation Vacations is. Basically, it exemplifies step number five of the eight-step process. So if you go to briankirth.com, you'll see an eight-step career transition process. And that's the career consulting side of the business. And that's a major piece of what we do. So there's career consultation based on the eight steps to a career change. Step number four being find, recruit a mentor, which we help our clients do. It's basically create your own mentorship. Step number five is test drive your dream job. Some of the Brian Kirk uh, and company clients will take a vocation vacation, but most don't. They, we end up working with them to create their own because it's cheaper. And and they have the time, especially if they've been laid off. They can create their own, and they can do it in the city in which they want to be. So there's Brian Kirk and company career consultation. There's vocation vacations. And then I'm doing a lot of speaking across America uh, so that's another revenue uh, channel. And then the fourth, which is more of a dotted line, uh, is the book. And by that, I mean, you know, it, not a surprise to anyone listening that, you know, unless you're Stephen King, you know, you don't make money on a book. Um, you make, a, you know, an advance, and you're lucky to get an advance these days. Um, and, you know, my book came out two and a half years ago. So I've already seen that advance and, and spent it a long time ago. But, um, you know, now the book is basically, it's a marketing arm um, for the business.
2: And I'm, I'm just curious, um, Brian, when, it, it, maybe it's a little off topic from where we're going, but I've, I've just have looked through some of these um, really, really interesting uh, career uh, choices, um, especially pro-wrestling. Uh, I think you've got like five of those. But when somebody signs up for that, now they're on their own for, I'm just assuming here, like travel and, and uh, you know, hotel and all that kind of stuff, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah,
3: we um, The vocation vacation includes the direct mentorship with the mentor, and then it also includes a pre- and a post-vocation vacation career consultation either with me or one of our 20 career coaches across the country that we're affiliated with. And, and tell me about
2: that part. I'm, how, does, how, does, how, how did you come up with that, a pre and post? I mean, is, is that just to sort of – I mean, that's not to no, help them decide very where they're
3: quickly, going. With, yeah, within six months of launching the business, I realized, okay, there's a need here for um, – well, first, it's also a quality assurance uh, piece of things for us. But it's also, more importantly, it's really beneficial for the client to get their thoughts in order. So we help them get prepared. And that information before the vocation vacation is then emailed to the uh, mentor so that they know a little bit more, well, who is this coming from Chicago or L.A. or wherever, and what do they want to get out of this experience. And then the post-vocation vacation discussion is really all for the vocationer. It's all about next steps, action planning, and, uh, and really career development, how you can make this transition and reinvention work. Um, and it's at that point that some of them then say, well, "Okay, I've now, I've I've now had the taste. Now I need help getting there." And then they'll hire us as career consultants, then to to lead them down that path and help them further to make that transition.
2: And this is kind of a random question, but has anybody ever come to you and said? man, I've been haunted my entire life by this uh, c- career survey I did in the eighth grade that said, you know, I should be like a-, a garbage truck driver or something, and I've always wondered, can you hook me up with that?
3: Well, we don't do one-offs. Um, so, no, if we don't offer it, we're, we will listen to that. We certainly listen to to client uh, intake and, and to you know, what they're looking for, and that's how we've grown historically. But it's not in our business model that we're going to drop everything and go find uh, that type of mentor. Um, does that ever come up, though? Men- it's like, like, it sounds like it you're projecting up? a little bit, Dane. Yeah, a little you bit. <laughs> <by the graduate laughs> drug thing? Well, that's, that's you no, know, it questions. most definitely does, and that's where we'll say Vocation Vacations isn't the answer for you. It's the the career consultation piece will will help you create your own. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for that's where your, Brian eternity. Kirk and company come in, so we'll direct you then to com versus Vocation Vacations, because there's not a, enough customer demand for X, Y, and Z, or yeah. we simply can't do it. It might have too much liability. You want to be a police officer, or <laughs> you want to be community relations for the fire department, but we can't do that either because we <laughs> we are a for-profit business, and we can't profit off from the taxpayer, which is paying <laughs> you know, the services of that fire chief and what have you. But as a taxpayer, you as an individual could go out and create your own uh career mentorship with your with your own police department or fire department using that as an example. So that's where we help you through that process with Brian Kirk and company versus vocation vacations. Vocation vacations is plug and play for those who sit within the um you know the hundred and eighty five different vocation types that we offer today. But for those who don't, we're still there for you. But we're going to help you create your own. Well, and and if makes- you don't want to do that, then you read the book and you have to really do it yourself. Okay.
2: Well, because it, it makes sense that, you know, when we're dealing with, with adults, they're sort of, you know, I mean, they're going to sort of do a career search, see what's available, uh, or, you know, have something in mind. But I, I, I just was a little curious if people do kind of come and say, man, I don't know what I want to do. Can we talk about that? Well, that's I what just, says. I just know I'm not happy. Yeah,
3: no, absolutely. But that's the career consultation yeah. piece. Yes. That's where right, right. step number one of that is absolutely the figuring out what your passions are. And, and we work with some assessments. We don't do a lot of it. In fact, we rarely, rarely, rarely do the Myers Briggs or the Strong or anything like that. Okay. We do work with Marcus Buckingham and, and Donald Clifton um, in terms of, of uh, with the uh, now discover your strengths which is a great tool of oh, yeah. uh, the strength finder yeah.
0: 2.0. You know, and and that's you I know, think I'm one sure. of the uh, one of the really uh, the lessons out of this is the fact that there is uh, there is a model there's a system that you have built around kind of this jewel of vocation vacations, but it's it's a much bigger system and I think you've you know, I I think it's a fascinating um, you know and scalable path uh, that that you've created here and it's really it's as as absolutely predicted I think we could talk about this for much longer uh, but we're running to the end of our time here I just want to say you know our deepest thanks for for joining us and and um, and teaching us a little bit about vocation vacations and and uh, the way you communicate to the masses
3: well I really appreciate it and it was great thanks so much for having me on
0: now, Brian. Before we let you go, where uh, you know we've already talked about vocationvacations.com, dot com, dot com. That's K U R T H. Any place else you would like people to follow you uh, uh, to find out what you're up
3: to? Well, I'm also on, on Facebook and Twitter, so definitely join the social media side of things as well with me.
0: Perfect, perfect. And perfect. you can look for all of those things on uh, on uh, on Kurth dot com and and uh, VocationVacations. Definitely check out those testimonials, people. They're wonderful. <laughs> it's just a, it's it's a really empowering uh, to read what what people are doing with their lives uh, as a result of of these little uh, vocations. Thanks so much, Brian. We appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. I like that, Brian Kirth. I like him. Uh, I, I'm glad he joined us on the show. Do you guys like him? Did you like you were you, you were like going him? for a awesome. Green
2: Eggs and Ham thing there, Pete? Keep 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 with no, that. I, no, I, I like that, Brian. He was great. Like he was, Brian was Brian great, Kurth. you guys. I, I
1: mean, he just. Um... I just I love the way that he's organically built this business. Um, I just think it's a great concept, and I, I could see, I, as I said to him on the show, I could see how people would pick up on it. I mean, just the the pure visuals yeah. of it is cool. It's a great story. And it you know what? I I
2: love any, uh, uh, I guess, any entrepreneur who 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 just sort of sees a, a need. You know, I I love I always love that story where somebody says, you know, I thought, hey, somebody's got to do this, and then I found out nobody did.
1: So yeah, that's it's that's, a, it's the hair great. club
0: for men thing, you know. I mean, it's you like it so much, you feel like this is this is a service I I need. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this myself. Did you just and
1: compare vacation vacation? Yeah, I think you're, pulling, I a, no, you're
0: no, pulling No, 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 you're pulling a Dane. I'm there, totally Pete. pulling a Dane. Am I pulling a Dane? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know i liked it so much i bought the company like there's a there's a relationship there come on wow it's was... the loosest of relationships that wasn't that wasn't completely we're
1: sorry game, brian we're it? sorry we we really enjoyed having you on the show <laughs> no hey, you know
0: i i really like the uh, i i like the whole system approach that that he's brought about and i think it's one of those things when you investigate you know when you have the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation about what the business looks like and the background of the business and how it works and you see that, you know, as organic as he says, you know, he tosses it off sort of humbly that, no, it was very organic and we have no, you know, we had a one-page marketing plan, we have no marketing budget, and yet, you know, there, there's clearly been a lot of critical thought over the last, you know, six years as this business is, has developed into how, how he can really help, uh, help people who uh, are struggling in some way, shape, or another, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's, what a great time for, for that kind of a business to exist. Absolutely. Let's talk about tools. And, you know, this is an awesome, awesome week because it's Dane's turn <laughs> to, to own the, to own the tools. Dane's and I, tool week. I know. I, I mean, I heard about this story. I did not uh, think that it was related. And Dane... No, you didn't think it mattered. I didn't think... Di- oh, oh, no, no. It matters. <laughs> if, okay. Uh, but I didn't think it related. And I want to I hear... Well, why, the should you I, didn't think, why should I care for this show?
2: Right. Why should you care? I, what I wanted to talk about briefly, uh, I think, is uh, Flickr, uh, bigger, wider, and uncut, speaking of tools. Uh Embiggened. They've Embiggen. embiggened Embiggen. the images. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, Flickr doesn't change their interface terribly often. Uh, and I don't, you know, I think the question, <laughs> so Pete, why you think maybe it perhaps... Does it really matter as uh, who uses Flickr anymore other than photographers you had well, mentioned? Uh,
0: 80 million people, I think they said. They've got an eighty eighty million 80 million people uh, uh, using Flickr regularly.
2: And it would be, I think, an interesting discussion for another time to, to sort of talk a little bit more about, you know, what is Flickr uh, outside of a place for uh, photographers, you know, to post great images? Because... Uh, it was one of the earlier uh, kind of you know social media sites, really, in a way for people. I think before Facebook gained a lot of traction, um, to share a part of their lives um, visually with people. So, uh, what? So it's interesting uh a little bit at least that Flickr has uh really kind of they're getting some great reviews for this new interface and uh and the image quality uh, improvement it's like a 640 megapixel width now uh for your main image and and better slide transitions and and honestly Flickr was a little clunky i think um that they, they hadn't made any major uh, enhancements for quite some time the last time i was in there I, I felt you know or anytime i go in there it's a little bit clunkyish. um Uh, Some people are great users of it, and and it's, you know, I think for some people, uh, it is sort of their, continues to be their way to really share their life, you know, with with their friends or with the world. Flickr is awesome.
0: Are you on Flickr? or Do you have the Flickr? I'm on Flickr. Are you? Are we friends?
1: I I think you just friended me recently. All right. I think you're my only friend, <laughs> Flickr.
0: <laughs> I, I love the Flickr. I've got I've got I don't know. Well, you're I'm a photographer,
1: so of course you so love. So
0: many. It. I I did post my very first iPhone four picture on Flickr.
1: Geek, geek, geek. Yes.
0: I have been reviewed as safe by the Flickr staff, which is. Oh, cool. you are safe. I'm safe, yeah, and warm, and so good. Tool, good tool, good talk. Thank you, Dane. And uh, <laughs> do we have anything else to talk about? Please say we don't. Happy we don't. I, Happy iPhone 4 day, everybody. Megan, if people wanted to find, if people wanted to, let's say, embiggen their understanding of you and your world, where would you where would you suggest they research?
1: Uh, they can find me at Megan Strand on the Twitter or at Encouraged, which is I-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D dot com.
0: And Dane Christensen?
2: Strike10media.com,
0: please.
1: Thank
2: you very much.
0: What are we going to do to get you to tweet more? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's starting to bug me a little every bit. Every show, every yeah.
2: I guess let's have That's an intervention.
0: Yeah, we need to have I've, a, a Twitter I watched
2: that the other night on AMC. So oh, that, yeah.
1: Let's adapt. not go there. It's
0: trouble.
2: Me into the room. It is trouble. Sorry. No, right. we have nothing more to talk about.
0: All right. Well, I, uh, I'm i at Pete Wright on the Twitter, and I'm at fifthandmain.com. You can learn more about this very show by heading over to thenakedmarketers.com. Find us on Twitter at Naked Markets. And uh, uh, make sure to click on that handy subscribe in iTunes button uh, on the site to get us in the iTunes store for free and subscribe, uh, because that's the best way. Who are we kidding? To get the show every single week without missing an episode. Uh, Unless, of course, we skip an episode. Uh, Which would be, you know, is probably for your own safety. And so, on behalf of Megan Strand and Dane Christensen, I'm Pete Wright, and this has been The Naked Marketers.
2: Bye, folks.